and Bernie Sanders will be kicking off his 2020 presidential campaign at Brooklyn College this Saturday at 11.30 a.m. Which brings us to today's segment. I'm joined today in the studio by the editor-in-chief of The Independent, John Tarleton, and Nick Powers, a writer at The Independent and professor of literature at SUNY Old Westbury. Welcome to both of you. Hi, uh, Lydia. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having us here. Um, Nick Powers is also the author of The Prodigal Son, Will the Left Embrace the White Working Class in Its Hour of Need and Create an Unbeatable Progressive Coalition? So today we'll be talking about Bernie Sanders entering the 2020 presidential race. And to start things off, John, I want to start with you and get your thoughts on what this means for the party. Sure. So uh, Bernie Sanders uh, entered the presidential race uh, last week, uh, announcing that he wanted to complete the revolution uh, after a near miss uh, in the Democratic primaries in 2016, where he ultimately lost to Hillary Clinton. And then, of course, Donald Trump went on to be elected president. So uh, there was tremendous excitement around the Sanders race in, in 2016, as well as a number of people who uh, uh, didn't like him at all, uh, and now he's back for a for a, a second run, and uh, it, it's interesting because it, he's entering a, 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 a the second time. It's going to be a very different terrain than he ran on the first time, and he does enter with a number of powerful advantages that in in many other uh, past election cycles would have made him really the the clear front runner. Uh, whereas right now he's running second in the polls out of uh, a field of about a dozen candidates, and. Uh, so, I mean, some of those strengths are, one, he has, uh, he's been the most popular politician in America s since the spring of 2016, repeatedly in, in every poll that's been taken. He has near universal name recognition. Uh, he has the experience of running a national campaign. A and uh, when he launched his campaign last week, within the first 24 hours, he raised $6 million from about 225,000 supporters, which really dwarfs the, the small donor base that any other candidate has. And uh, so those are powerful advantages because, of course, a candidate can come back to that base over and over again. And he recently he announced today that one, uh, uh, one million people had signed up to volunteer on his campaign. So um, he and he never stopped campaigning, really, even after the, the 2016 election. He was very involved in uh, helping win uh, pay raises for 350,000 Amazon <laughs> supporters. And uh, so... So he has a lot of strengths, but at the same time, he's really going to also be running into, into strong headwinds. Uh, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with uh, he's an old white man from Vermont uh, at, at a time when the Democratic Party is increasingly uh, embracing and looking to a younger, more diverse uh, leadership. And it, he's also struggled at times to really uh, link his uh, vision of economic justice to racial justice and how to speak to uh, identity, and uh, again, this desire for more leadership from women and people of color and, and where he fits into all that. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's a curmudgeonly 77-year-old Jewish socialist grandpa who wants to fight the ruling class. That's what he's been for a long time. And the question is, can he expand his base in a way that he could actually capture the Democratic Party nomination and then go on to win the White House? Nick, your article delves into some of these issues of identity. Um, what's your take on some of the issues that Bernie Sanders might face and some of the challenges he might face surrounding identity politics in this upcoming election? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess speaking of the youth, I want to ask the audience indulgence. My 
uh, one-year-old son is in the audience with us, and so you may hear him uh, talk about the Green New Deal in baby <laughs> language because he's worried about the planet and what's going to happen uh, as he gets older. Um, I think Bernie Sanders right now is in a situation of political tinder. People are swiping left and right, you know, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, left or right, um, you know, Kristen Gillibrand, left or right. And, you know, they're, they're, they're shopping right now for, um, unfortunately, I think the empty symbolism of a technocratic and liberal identity politics, which um, is a headwind against Bernie, but I think it may be weaker than uh, many of us uh, realize because after Obama's historic presidency of being the first black president, Hillary Clinton's uh, historic candidacy of being the the first woman to be, you know, the nominee, the you know nominee for a major party for presidency, that I think working class voters are feeling exhausted by the symbolism and are looking towards real policies that can actually save their lives. People are dying from lack of health care. People are suffering from lack of housing. Uh, they're barely treading water against their bills. So the last thing I think people want is a technocratic liberal symbol of change. I think they want real, actual change. And so I think that may be one of the things that really uh, helps people connect with the Sanders campaign because there's an authenticity at having someone who's been saying the same message for longer than many people have been alive. I want to jump for a second to the shift that we've seen in the Democratic Party, because it's a very different situation now than it was in 2016. A lot of the candidates we see in the field have adopted many of the policies that were really radical back when Bernie Sanders brought them uh, brought them up in 2016. So, John, I want to go to you first. Do you think that Bernie Sanders is sort of um, a victim of his own success here? Because now a lot of the, the his opponents in the field have a lot of very similar policies to the ones that he has. Did he kind of set himself up for a much uh, steeper battle this time around? Yeah, I would say a lot of his key platform points are still radical, even though they've been uh, endorsed by more people. Things like Medicare for All, essentially abolishing the private uh, health insurance industry, uh, uh, free college for all, uh, an ambitious uh, Green New Deal, and uh, on down the line. And uh, it's true. I think, in a sense, he, he, he's won the ideas primary that most of the major candidates uh, that are running are, embrace, are uh, at least endorsing those uh, key uh, platform planks. The question is, uh, how, you know, what's the commitment? Like, are they just lip-syncing the lines while, it's, you know, while they're playing to the, you know, the uh, Democratic primary uh, voters? And because uh, I think when you, when you look at the, uh, all these different candidates, you have to ask yourself, well, which ones have really shown an ex prolonged commitment to these policies, and which ones have really shown a history of fighting aggressively against entrenched, powerful private interests? Because if you're going to get any of these ambitious, radical platform uh, planks uh, ever made into law and transform people's lives for the better, uh, I mean, you're going to have to fight uh, the, the healthcare industry, uh, the fossil fuel industry, uh, uh, you know, the banks that it, profit from student loans, and on down the line, the military-industrial complex. So, you know, who, who showed a real history, of, you know, of, of taking on those sort of fights? And I would say of the, in this field that we see right now, the two that probably stand out are Sanders as well as Elizabeth Warren, who's also been aggressive in particular around uh, uh, battling Wall Street. 
Can you talk a little bit about their differences, though? A lot of people kind of lump them together. Sanders and Warren. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit? What do you see as their main distinctions? Right. I mean, besides, the, I mean, they use different phrases. I mean, you know, Sanders calls himself a democratic socialist, and Warren emphasizes that she's is in, in fact embraces capitalism. But her, um, for Warren, she's much more about uh, aggressively regulating. Uh, capitalism, making capitalism and the market system, you know, work better, we're, and uh, comes from a background as a Harvard Law School professor. She's brilliant. She has a lot of great ideas, and uh, so I think she sees like, okay, if like really smart people can better regulate this economy, it'll work better. Sanders has much more of a structural approach. His idea is that we have to actually mobilize millions of people to demand and relentlessly push for fundamental structural reforms. Because one thing we saw with Obama, as soon as he went out and Trump came in, uh, a lot of good things he did around you know, installing re environmental regulations and banking regulations, those immediately came under attack and have been whittled away. Whereas Sanders is saying you gotta make structural reforms because once you get, if you could ever get Medicare for all in there and, and everybody's like taken care of with a, uh, you know, the healthcare system, uh, there's no way you're going to ever be able to repeal that, which is why the Republicans fear it so much. They haven't been able to get rid of Social Security for 80 years, which is, of course, one of the cornerstones of FDR back in the New Deal. So Sanders is shooting for these ambitious structural reforms, and he also understands, again, that you need millions of people to not only mobilize to vote someone like him in, but to continue uh, being engaged. Um, I want to jump for a second to you, Nick. In your article, um, you make a pretty strong assertion about Kamala Harris. You say you call her a neoliberal Democrat who uses race and gender to angle for power. Can you explain what you mean by that? And can you kind of contrast her with Sanders? Um, and, and also go into some of the other candidates and, and where you see identity playing into this field and, and how they differ. Yeah, I mean, Kamala Harris, in a certain kind of move of tactical genius, you know, obviously, you know, launch a candidacy on MLK Day. And but her her record is actually deeply, deeply mixed in California as a prosecutor. And then beyond that, she also has a certain kind of um kind of contempt for working poor families that you saw in one example was um how she was going to prosecute families if their kids um you know did not go to school. And so basically scaring working poor families who then would scare their kids to go to school. And, you know, rather than my mom is a teacher um, in Queens in a middle school, and, you know, you realize quickly that families are under a lot of pressure, from babysitting pressure, obviously I'm dealing with that, um, uh, food insecurity, job insecurity, sometimes people are, you know, literally taking shifts, sleeping on the same bed. And so when you have that kind of pressure, you need structural reforms. You know, and rather than uh, terrifying parents who then scare their kids then into scaring them to go to school. So I would contrast her with Sanders is that Kamala Harris has a history, one, of uh, leveraging her state power against poor people and then using her identity as a woman of color to be able to say that I'm really actually for the masses of, of, of people of color. Whereas Sanders is looking for structural reforms that will actually alleviate the pressures on poor and working uh, class families so that they can actually go ahead and live the life that they really want to live as, you know, as well as for their kids. So I would say that that's the difference, identity politics versus like structural reform. And those have real life consequences. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Indie Radio News on WBAI 99.3.
93.5 FM. We're going to take a quick break. After the break, we're going to keep talking about Bernie Sanders entering the 2020 presidential race, and we're going to dive into idealism versus strategy, what's going to happen when all this hits the general. So stay tuned. <laughs> 